You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on your Tuesday afternoon on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. The number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Levi, it's great to have you back on the show, my man. How are you doing? It's great to be back. Feeling good today. Ready for another great show. Well, we're one day away now from National Signing Day, of course. We had some calls yesterday talking about recruiting towards the beginning of the show. And uh, I know you went back and listened to it and heard some of the, the thoughts on where Auburn where Auburn's recruiting is going into National Signing Day right now and looking at some 24-7 sports uh, metrics here. They're 37th in national ranking, 11th in the SEC. Now, if you take into account average rating of recruit that is committed to Auburn, Auburn's sitting at like 7th or 8th in the SEC in average rating, kind of give or take there on some of these recruits and all that according to 24-7 sports composite. The Tigers have 14 guys a part of this upcoming class at the moment. Of course, we'll see that probably grow tomorrow. But I say all that to go back to some of these these questions that we had yesterday about recruiting and literally the thought on everybody's mind right now a day away from National Signing Day is how do we all expect National Signing Day to go Obviously, the Tigers added some commitments over the weekend. Juco inside linebacker Joko Willis and then transfer from Northwestern Andrew Leota. Both of those guys on the defensive side of the football. But obviously, Auburn needs some work sitting at number 37 in the nation according to 24-7 sports composite team rankings. How do we expect National Signing Day to go tomorrow? I think you have to temper expectations a little bit. I mean, you have. But people don't want to do that. Of course, they don't want to do that. The issue is that you, you have, have a, you have a new coaching staff coming in. They got a little bit of a late jump. There's a ongoing pandemic that makes recruiting a lot harder, especially for Auburn. And we've hit that plenty of times where a lot of times you sell guys on the Auburn experience. You sell them on the city. You sell them on the campus. You can't do that right now, and that is unfortunately the time that we are in. We just cannot do that, and it's going to take a hit. Recruiting is going to take a hit because of that. New coaching staff, a lot of unproven recruits. You just have to temper the expectations a little bit, and I'm not saying settle for mediocrity. I'm just saying understand the situation, and this is where we're currently at with this situation. Also, most of the high-profile guys out there have already signed their national letter of intent. And if they haven't, Auburn's probably not in the running for the majority of those guys who will be picking hats tomorrow and deciding their location and and, and putting their signature down on paper. Auburn's kind of in a position where they're trying to go and get the best of what's left over. I shouldn't say kind of, they are. They're in the position of trying to go and get the best of what's left over. And that ends up producing commitments like the Jatarvius Whitlows of the world. Everybody 
I hope is still familiar with how Jatarvis Whitlow committed to Auburn. He was he was not he did not have an Auburn offer until signing day. He got that offer from Auburn. If not, he would have been going to like Tulane. So you you will see stuff like that happen. Now maybe not as something as dramatic as going to UAB or, or Tulane and then all of a sudden getting an Auburn offer I'm not not necessarily saying that that will occur but it could be the difference between a guy going to Vanderbilt or Kentucky or Arkansas and getting some uh getting a late push from Auburn here a couple of days out but you know whether it was last week or two weeks ago when Coach Harson met with the media last and discussed National Signing Day coming up that happened last week Coach Harson kind of planted the seeds to say that he was not going to fill this class up which leads me to believe that I, I don't think tomorrow Auburn is going to shoot up the rankings or anything. Maybe they get to the top 25. They honestly should. With a couple of more commitments, Auburn should get on the verge of top 25 or getting inside the top 25. Average rating is still a little concerning. I know I know some folks out there have been quick to point out, well, this is kind of on par for what Gus Malzahn did. It's not. I think it's a little bit below that. When you're talking about average rating, Auburn still finished 7th or 8th in the SEC compared to the other teams. That's going to put you, when it comes down to it, Auburn's still recruiting behind A&M, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, even this past year. How long will that last? We don't know. But they still finish behind those teams. You know, in three or four years from now, when these guys are stepping into starting roles, that might show its head that Auburn might end up being, you know, the seventh or eighth best team in the SEC. So it is fair to be concerned about some of the quality of players coming in. But when you look at the nature of the pandemic, that's going to handcuff Auburn and what they're trying to do recruiting I mean talk about an uphill battle for this incoming coaching staff and what they have to deal with not only can you not get guys on campus to sell the most valuable thing about your recruiting pitch Auburn's recruiting pitch is so much different than what we all saw on social media with Nick Saban getting recorded you know I mean I saw that on Barstool Sports and I'm thinking to myself like Yes, he could say all of those things. They are, I mean, it's accurate, and he can flex like that. I mean, uh, Alabama can go out and recruit guys in a different way than what any other team in college football can do other than Clemson because Clemson is, has at least had some type of regular national championship conversation around their, around their program and have actually won it. Ohio State, I even think, is excluded from that, but of course, they recruit very well in their portion of the country. They've got their... They are all alone in the Midwest. Like, that is their area. They could do whatever they want up there. The Ohio State University, that's how they're going to be put up there. And every year, you look at the top of the rankings, and it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. That's why the playoff picture is always Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. I don't think that's a bad thing for college football. I've had conversations with people in the last couple days talking about parity in college football right now. I think we have more parity than ever in college football. And people may disagree with me on that, but... Here's my stance on it. At the top, in the early 2010s, I mean, Alabama was on the verge several times of winning three in a row. There were not, you, there was not a consistent band of other contenders. The contender would change, and oftentimes Auburn would get into the mix, right? 2010, Auburn did it. 2013, Auburn did it. It was either Alabama or Auburn in between 2009 to like 2014. And even then, Alabama was in the mix that year in the playoff and Ohio State and Oregon gave us all a refreshing a refreshing breeze of Alabama not winning it right and so of course Florida State won it in 2013 but once again I stand by it was Auburn and Alabama during that time period and and mainly Alabama from that point on though you look at where we're at there are at least three teams vying for that crown every year now and even LSU broke up the mix from those top teams 
they, they had the, the moon the moons aligned for them. The stars were in order for the LSU Tigers. So there are even some teams coming from the outside of that center circle getting into the mix. Even Georgia was in a national championship back in 2017. So the competitors, while yes, there is a central core, it's tighter amongst that central core than I think we've seen. There are at least now three teams. You look at the dynasties of college football over the last 10 15 years or, or since 2000 in the beginning of the 2000s USC was burning down college football did anybody else have a shot no don't act like dynasties are 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 some some new thing that I've all that I've all of a sudden creeped up it was just USC back then just USC and then after that it was Florida Florida came into the mix won three or four na- or three national championships or so there when Urban Meyer was around or two at least and then you going after that it's been Alabama since that point until now Clemson has rattled off several. Ohio State's been at least in two. They've won one. Alabama's, once again, still winning, but at least there are other teams that are consistently with them at the top. I don't think we have seen this much competition at the top of college football than ever. I, th- I think typically it's only been one dynasty, one team. Now we've at least got three or four at the top that are, that are competing every year including still Alabama, but they at least have contenders from other parts in the country. And then outside of that, I think there's there's definitely more parity below the top. There, you know, the UCFs of the world, the Cincinnati's of the world can go and play on the same stage as Georgia and Auburn and give them a game or beat them. So I, I think that there's more parity than ever in college football, and that's a good thing. But still, the recruiting rankings reflect the fact the Alabamas, the Ohio States, and the Clemsons recruiting at the end of the day, the Jimmys and Joes, they're better than your X's and O's. Also, don't forget about the fact that that tier two is it's just brimming with a lot of teams that could really make a jump within maybe the next few years and pop in there. Oregon is a team that we've seen. They're just on the cusp right now. They're recruiting very well. They had a Rose Bowl win with Herbert at the helm. They're they're very close. Again, we we noted that Georgia kind of you know was in that. They're right on the outside. Oklahoma, if they could ever field a defense and stop losing to Iowa State and Kansas State, they might could you know make Texas, it in there. What about Texas though? They eighth in recruiting last year, and then two third place finishes, and the years before that. And now they have a coach who you're expecting to make a big leap. I mean, A and M. We've seen A and M really come to. Me and you both think A and M's a bit overrated, and but they're on the outside looking in. They have a good recruiting class this year. They were on the verge of the playoff. Jimbo's always going to have that team competing in some shape or form, whether it's maybe not that year. He's at least going to recruit well and have them in a position to where they can make a deep run. Notre Dame's always going to be there because they don't play in a conference and they're always going to get blown out on the big stage. So not discontinue them, but there's a lot of good teams (laughs) that have just, they're really close. They're really close to making just a, a, a leap you have that tier two that is brimming with talent and then the tier three there are so many fun teams to watch that they're probably like one cam newton-esque player away where you get that one guy who can just transcend talent and could really put them in a position a lot like what lsu did they got joe burrow who was brimming with talent and had a great supporting cast around him great assistant coaches some of these teams are just one guy away one transcendent talent away to leap from tier three to potentially winning a championship a lot like Auburn did in 2010 because we got to be honest that Auburn 2010 team was not one of the best college football teams outside of when you add the best college football player to that roster right and possibly you know he's definitely in the conversation for one of the best if not the best college football player of all time of course Auburn's had a couple of those guys you know Bo Jackson would have something to say about that as well and 
You know, it's just so hard to compare the different time periods. But I know in modern college football since like 2000, you know, and I, I typically say that modern college football since the 80s. But let's just say since 2000, Cam Newton is definitely in the mix for greatest college football player of all time and I think we've seen some recently as well that they get in the mix Joe Burrow I think Devontae Smith should be in that conversation I wish that Najee Harris played in a more run-friendly offense <laughs> Najee Harris would have been I, I you know Christian Page on last week's show when he was at the senior ball I asked him about Najee Harris because he saw Najee Harris at the senior ball I said you know where does Najee Harris rank among some of these Alabama running backs that Nick Saban's had and he said that he thinks that Najee Harris is the best Alabama running back ever and look the stats this year off the charts with the amount of touchdowns that he's had of course the the Heisman award is even further and further distancing itself from running backs if it's not a QB award I wouldn't be shocked if more wide receivers get into the equation but there are more pass happy offenses in college football so I think it's gonna be hard for running backs to get involved Najee Harris just wasn't the guy that everybody talked about on Alabama's roster at any point in his career. It was always talking about those receivers and then Tua Tungavaloa or Mac Jones. He was never the guy in the spotlight, but he was always one of the best players on the field. If not, you know, like I said, I stand by that fact. I think Najee Harris just all around, possibly the best running back to have to have ever played at Alabama. Have you seen those quads? You've seen the picture of those quads. He's going to work out. When he gets to the league, I think he's more NFL ready than some of the other guys. It took Mark Ingram some time to get going. Trent Richardson's been jettisoned out of the league. Uh, Eddie Lacy fell apart after like one or two seasons. Derrick Henry, he almost gave up football. It took him a long time to really get going. TJ Yeldon's fine. He's fine. Uh, Who else am I leaving off? Kenyon Drake's fine. It's like I, I think Kenyon Drake and... T.J. Yeldon are like the same player in the NFL and what they bring. Najee Harris, like straight out of college into the NFL, possesses the most NFL-ready skill set out of any other Alabama running back that's came out at this point. You look at Najee Harris, he's not just a runner. This guy can also pass catch. He can catch. That's the big thing. The ability to catch in the NFL today from the running back position is huge. That was the big knock coming out of, I think, Leonard Fournette coming out of college. They absolutely hated his pass catching ability he kind of figured it out a little bit later in his career but guys like Najee Harris who can do everything really well he's gonna he's going to make an impact on some NFL roster this year he's better than Mark Ingram he's better than Mark Ingram as well and I I think Mark Ingram did not bring the level of pass catching ability that Najee Harris is going to bring to the NFL especially straight out especially straight out of college and I don't even know just like true athletic ability that Najee Harris can bring I mean Najee Harris once again we saw him hop over a dude standing straight up right and then just resumed resume speed I mean the, the mix of speed strength athleticism balance vision pass catching ability he can run block Najee Harris is the most complete package at running back to come out of Alabama. I don't know how we got sidetracked on there, but you know I'm here for it. Najee Harris, you know he, he's a beast at running back. I'm excited to see him play at the next level. I really am. I think he's going to be a beast. It'd be awesome if somehow the Cleveland Browns went out after him. And yes, I have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It would be sick though to see that guy play for my team, and we don't even need him, right? I mean, somebody's going to be getting an absolute beast at running back with uh with Najee Harris and, and I, I think he's a little undervalued I really do I mean it, it wouldn't shock me if somebody didn't take him in the first round just because running backs these days don't get taken that high as often unless they are just like foregone like 
someone like an Ezekiel Elliott or, or a Todd Gurley, like those guys, people aren't talking about Najee Harrison the same way. Once again, because he's not Devontae Smith or any of those receivers or or uh, you know Jalen Waddle or Mac Jones, he just wasn't talked about enough this year. But go and look at the stats. The guy had like more than 25 touchdowns from scrimmage unreal that, that I mean you compare him to Devontae Smith you and, and Devontae Smith's numbers you begin to think hmm why wasn't Najee Harris considered in the Heisman more so than Kyle Trask or even Trevor Lawrence you look at the numbers they were absurd it was enough to get Devontae Smith the award and and for the record I think Devontae Smith deserved to win the Heisman but Najee Harris definitely should have been higher in the voting when you're comparing him I would have voted for him more than I would have voted for uh for Kyle Trask right so more of the show on the other side of this break you're listening to on the line on espn 1067 and on fox sports central alabama you're on the line with noah gardner and levi fitzwater on espn 1067 and on fox sports central alabama find the podcast wherever you get your podcast the number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 a look back at some stats I found during the break about the Najee Harris versus Mark Ingram. And I think Mark Ingram's probably, it's Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry versus Najee Harris, I think, if you're talking about best Alabama running back to have gone through the door and just more ammo here for Najee Harris over over Mark Ingram. You look at the stats here, Najee Harris beats him in every single category. 3,261 total rushing yards for Mark Ingram at a 5.7 yards per carry clip Najee Harris 3,843 yards for six yards per carry he had 46 touchdowns to Mark Ingram's 42 so he beats him beats him in every single rushing category he also beats him in every single receiving category 60 receptions for Mark Ingram for 670 yards Najee Harris with 80 receptions for 781 receiving yards uh, the only receiving category he doesn't beat him in is, is yards per reception but there is a massive leap in touchdowns here for Najee Harris over Mark Ingram. 11 total touchdowns for Najee Harris as a, as a, as a receiving running back versus Mark Ingram's four. Uh, I'm trying to think about total games that, th- that these two guys have played. That also might factor into this a little bit. Najee Harris had to play you know, a couple less games in his last year, but he also was a four-year player to Mark Ingram's three years. So that does skew it a little bit. But you still look at the averages more uh, more yards per carry for Najee Harris than for Mark Ingram's only 5.7 across his career uh, this final year for for Najee Harris actually was better than I thought it was you look at from scrimmage for Najee Harris this last season at 2020 he had 30 total touchdowns 30 that's coming up on like Barry Sanders numbers I think Barry Sanders rush single 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 season rushing season was like 36 touchdowns or something like that maybe 38. I don't remember that off the top of my head, but Najee Harris was creeping up there in terms of total touchdowns. Absurd numbers there. Once again, still don't understand how this guy wasn't considered higher in the Heisman race when you talk about him as a running back. Let's go back to recruiting where we started the show off with. We kind of got sidetracked a little bit and, and talking back about where Auburn's recruiting class stands right now going into tomorrow's National Signing Day. You look at Auburn right now, 37th in the country according to 24-7 Sports Composite. Team rankings, only four four-stars, 10 three-stars. Average rating of 88.42. 
that's got them in the middle of the pack in the SEC right now, about seventh or eighth in the league. You know, plus or minus. You know, they're they're you know you got to give or take a little bit if you know if somebody's you know a, a couple of tenths of a points off. You know, of Auburn really, the Auburn didn't outperform them by that much. You know, but you look at it, Auburn sitting in the middle of the pack right now, an average team rating. We had a couple of calls yesterday about about some folks concerned with uh with with some recent three star recruits coming into Auburn. Joko Willis was the number two inside linebacker out of JUCO. And he's a three-star recruit, which typically you see JUCOs rated as three stars. Um, I think what's important there is where he's at in position rankings. He's the number two inside linebacker out of JUCO. That's yeah, that was about as good as Auburn could have done if you were going for a JUCO inside linebacker. And then also yesterday, Auburn nabbing the commitment of quarterback Holden Jariner. I hope I'm still pronouncing that correctly. Nobody's correcting me at the moment. It's either that or Jariner. And he's a 2022 quarterback commit that's a three-star. But I don't think he's going to be a three-star for long. I think we're going to see this guy at least he, – he's going to add another star before he steps on a campus. He'll be a four before he comes to the Plains. I agree with that. I think he'll, I think he'll pick up a star along the way. I think that, that he'll, he'll pick up one. You Again, I'm going to keep saying it. You look at this recruiting class, and it does look lackluster. I get it. I understand that. It's because it is lackluster. It is. It's it's not a great... It doesn't re- look like lackluster. It is. It is lackluster. It is. But you have to think about it from It walks like all, a duck. If it, cla- if it quacks it, like a duck, it is it a is, duck. It is. And it's it's not a great recruiting class, but you just have to really think about it. How much time did they have to really try to flip someone to come to Auburn? How... how, how like, well, they didn't complete their coaching staff until last week. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> how could they have possibly been able to turn this recruiting class around now it's kind of hard to sell to a recruit when you don't know who your position group coach is going to be you don't know who the position group coach is you can't get them onto campus you didn't get them you didn't get to bring them to any games this year because you weren't the coach this year we all knew that this class was shot it was when Miles oh, got fired there was no chance that this recruiting class had a it didn't have a chance but to if do you anything. were one of those people out there that wanted to see Malzahn fired you knew this was the risk that this was going to happen and now you can't come back and be upset about recruiting too because this isn't Harson's class this is Malzahn's class and, o- and only a couple of the guys added to this are his guys one of those is Colby Smith and that's because he was will friends guy when he was going to tennessee and of course i think this is going to fit what obviously auburn's trying to do because of course he's going to bring the guy that was originally believed to be a scheme fit for him on the offensive line that's a good that's a good haul for auburn obviously still a three-star but at least it's an offensive tackle something auburn hasn't signed since 2017 that's a big deal to at least bring that one in and then i'll explain the joko willis commitment first of all he's the number two juco inside linebacker you literally can only do one player better at that position coming out of juco now some people are going to be complaining that well, why are we getting JUCO guys? They need JUCO guys at linebacker right now. Why? Because there's not a whole lot of depth with the personnel shift that is happening at linebacker. Auburn is going to move from a 3-4 or, or to a 3-4 defense. They're moving from traditionally being in the 4-3 slash the nickel to where they've really only this past year cycled two linebackers, which is Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean. If Auburn was going to bring some oomph, to the uh to to the center of the field they were bringing they were walking up jamie and sherwood or smoke monday closer to the line of scrimmage if they were trying to bring another body in to run stop they really did not play more than two linebackers now they're this coaching staff's like well, what are we supposed to do none of the younger guys got developed where steiner you know where some of the other recruits that have been brought in over these years because they've got bodies they just don't have ready bodies i don't think at the moment they're even moving td moultrie back over to the linebacker to the linebacker room you're getting chandler wooten back they needed more guys 
to to step in right away. Guys who can play immediately. Right. You need those guys who can come in and play. And also, you you missed out on a lot of the high school guys. You missed out on a lot of the high profile it's guys. Too late. You just did not have a chance to do that. So you've got to kind of. I don't want to. You have to scrape the barrel. You kind of have to just find what you can get. You have to catch as what catch can. You really have to just look and see what is available and get the best that is available. It might not be good, but you have to get what is the best available. You got a late start, man. You have to. You have to sign some of these three star guys. That's just what the situation Auburn's in right now. And you said it best. The people who were clamoring for Gus Malzahn to be fired knew that this was a risk. And you have to, you have to. Now deal you just got to eat it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't get rid of Gus and expect a top ten recruiting class on a guy who literally just finished the coaching staff last week. Yep, a week before signing day. You cannot, you cannot expect I'm this class to be, be great. I'm particularly intrigued by Joko Willis because a he's from Independence Community College. Do do, do you remember where that location is? Independence. That is. Is that? Are you a is fan of the series Last Chance? You. I was about to say. I feel like I've heard that before. This is one of the locations that okay. has occurred in Last Chance. You. I think. I think it's the second to last one. Am I? Am I just that outdated? Like, haven't they moved on from Independence Community College? They probably have as well. I. I, I knew that name. There was some familiar. drama there with their former head coach, but nonetheless, this guy is an Independence Community College guy. So. Not that that's kind of cool, you know. Possibly was in Last Chance U. I don't know when it was filmed. I don't know. I don't know. Last time but, we um, went to the Last Chance U route, it didn't work out very well. Second thing that I want—that's true. You're talking about John Franklin the third. The second thing about Joko Willis that I, that I'm intrigued by—he's a tall linebacker now. He's six foot three. I'm over here thinking, I don't I don't remember too many six foot three linebackers standing tall in the middle of Auburn's defense I mean Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean are pretty undersized they're like 6'2 6 6'1 6 feet you know they're in that range this guy's six foot three, and people like to fib on roster sheets I wouldn't be shocked if this guy you know weighs a little bit more at the end of the year too uh when, when he's getting steady when he's getting ready to step onto campus uh you look at Joko Willis he's at 215 right now as far as weight is concerned uh, that that I think will go up with the with this new with this new system that's being brought in. Looked at the depth chart for Vanderbilt last year. All the linebackers were sitting at about 230, 240. I think you might see Auburn's linebackers beef up a little bit, with the exception of TD Moultrie, who is going to uh, to beef down. He, he's he, going to be the one who has dropping, to slim he's, down. He's yeah. dropping he's dropping weight probably. You know when he's you know already sitting at you know 250 to 265 range, and so Joko Willis is going to. Uh, I, I think he's going to fit in. I like this one. I, I, I think this is filling a need for Auburn. They obviously put an emphasis on it, saw a possibility to go get him. This guy's going to be familiar with Auburn. He's he's from right down the road in LaGrange. He is a, his hometown is LaGrange, Georgia. So uh, he, he's he's familiar. I think he played at Troop County. Uh, I think that's actually his profile picture on 24-7 Sports. So you look at it, Joko yeah, Willis, is. Is, I think is going to be a, a fit for Auburn moving forward. And then uh, we already talked about Colby Smith to a degree. And then the new quarterback that's came in, for the Tigers, Holden Jariner, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a solid scheme fit for Auburn and possibly a Philip Rivers-like figure that's been under recruited right now in the state. And you're happy that maybe Auburn is not missing out on this guy. Now I don't want to say that he's going to have a Philip Rivers type career or anything, but everything that you see about this guy on social media once he committed was that this guy's a gunslinger and that he he can put it around the yard. Yeah, you like that. You like to bring a guy like that in. If if you're being compared to a Philip Rivers type, whether you live up to that or not. You're in good company. You're in good company. I mean, all pro, pretty much Hall of Famer. I mean, come on. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere.
Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's Radio Alabama Sports. .net. A lot of recruiting talk here through the first 30 minutes of the show. If you missed any of that, go back and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Let's talk about some Auburn basketball now. Of course, you and I it really didn't get to talk about this yesterday, and we love the call. So once again, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Not a, not a whole lot of basketball talk yesterday. It was a lot of football talk today let's talk some basketball as Auburn is taking on Georgia tonight looking for their third sweep of the Bulldogs in the last four seasons for Auburn so a a big opportunity tonight and something else that's happening is Auburn's closing the gap in the all-time series between Georgia only separated by a few games now let's first rewind now to Baylor this past weekend it seems like there was some disgruntled folks out there about what happened in the Auburn Baylor game I want to revisit what you and I talked about several weeks ago when we were going into this last four-game stretch of January. I said, how many games are we going to win over these next four? I think, how many did you say Auburn was going to win? I said four. <laughs> I think I, I said two or three. I can't remember which and, one and I said. That's about that's about what you'd expect. And you'd be happy if they won two, which they did. I think I said three, maybe. I, I, I can't remember. Well, either way, we were both wrong. Auburn went two and two. But I did say, though, way back when, if Auburn found a way to go two and two across the stretch, that people should be very happy. And part of that is Auburn already, Auburn got a top 10, a uh, top 12 win at the time. Missouri ranked 12th uh, when Auburn beat them. They're now ranked 18th. But Auburn got a top 25 win for the first time this season. They're one and two against top 25 teams, and their two losses are against number one and, and, and number two. You Pretty good that your one win was against number 12, right? You would have been – a lot of people would have been a lot happier had they held on to that victory against Arkansas over that sure. stretch. That, that would have been one. three and one, and people would have been, you know what, on the road against the number two team. We lost. We get it. The big problem was a lot of people – and we were talking about this throughout the break. They were saying this team gave up down the stretch. And I never once saw that. What I saw was I saw a team get shell-shocked, blindsided. They took the best punch that Baylor had and got wobbly. They were rope-a-doping on the sideline over there. They just did not have the answer for that. The equilibrium was shot. The eardrum was busted, and you could see it. It didn't look like a team that gave up. It looked like a team that didn't have an answer. Well, aside from a six-minute run in the second half from about – 16 to 10 minutes left in the second half that was the that was the run where Baylor opened it up you said on Friday I said it's not if the run will come it's when the run will come this Baylor team built a lot like certain Golden State Warriors from back in the day not necessarily talking about roster makeup but how they play the game I mean they're the they're number one in the country in three-point percentage they drill people from beyond the arc they score in a hurry they go on a run and they and they and they put you in your grave it's what happens that this Baylor team eventually will go on a run that will create such a substantial distance between them and you their offense is already great enough that it's hard enough to keep them off the board 
But in Kim Palm's rankings going into the matchup, Baylor was number one in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. So you're going to have a hard time scoring on them. Once Baylor gets up, it's over. It's done. I said, once this thing stretches beyond 10, wrap it up. And Auburn did great in the first half to keep it within five, really didn't allow any distance between the two. It was at arms, it was at arm's length. Auburn was dominating the glass. They the only thing that Auburn did poorly in the first half was turn the basketball over. Subsequently, Shocker. subsequently in the second half, they didn't turn the basketball over. They only had 13 turnovers total. They had 10 in the first half. So Auburn performed, I felt like, better in the second half in terms of protecting the basketball, but their shot went cold. Baylor's got hot, and that was enough to create the distance. Now, of course, people were like, well, it was a backdoor cover. It's like, look, it's a it's a 40-minute basketball game, and Auburn played well for 34 minutes of it. The losing the the six minutes where they didn't play well was enough for Baylor to stretch it out to a twelve point ball game. And you look at the numbers here on the year for what Baylor has done to teams at home. The average margin of victory for Baylor at home is twenty nine point six points per game. Nearly thirty points they beat teams at home. Auburn played them the second closest that any team has played them in Waco. Kansas played them to eight points. Auburn played them to twelve. All right, Baylor dismantles teams at home like a kid dismantling a Lego set. All right, it, it is not, it's not hard for Baylor to get out there and torch a team. And I felt like Auburn held their own on Saturday. They, they really did. did. They did in a lot of areas. One of the things that really hurt them in the second half, I think, how you said they fixed turnovers in the second half. They started taking a couple bad shots, and that comes back to the whole... When does Auburn not do that, though? Very true. When Auburn gets behind, man, and they they're just still start, young, they just start you know, jacking, jacking it up. And that's, and that's an issue. And that's an issue with a young team, and that also comes from, again, they were hit hard by that Baylor run, and their only thought of the way to answer was dribble down the court, jack up a quick deep three, and not run through the offense. They... They got, I don't want to say scared, but they just had, they were trying to press it a little bit too much. They were pressing it way too much in certain areas of the offense. You know what I took away from Saturday? I took away that Auburn is one great player in a year of development. This year is the year of development away from being a national championship contender. I agree. Auburn lost by 12 to a team that will be in the national championship picture at the end of the year. They're going to be a number one overall seed. Them and Gonzaga very well may finish undefeated when the regular season's over that they don't look like they're showing any signs of letting up right now and the big 12 is a tough conference it's probably second or third best conference this year in college basketball i'd say the top is the big 10 and then you've got a conversation between the acc and the big 12 i don't think i'm forgetting anybody i'll else. take the big 12 this year i'll take the big 12. sure and so that it's not like they've played weak teams now they haven't played west virginia yet they haven't played everybody twice yet in the big 12 but they've handled ranked teams already they've beaten kansas They've beaten Texas. They've beaten good teams already. They, they beat Oklahoma. I actually don't think they've played Texas yet. I think they I know they beat Oklahoma though by like fifteen. I think they played Texas Tech as well. And if I'm not mistaken. Look that up. If not, though, it'll be coming up. And so like they've already played some good teams in the Big Twelve. Big Twelve's a deep conference. This Baylor team is as good as advertised. I think Auburn folks should only be taking positives away from this game. As a young team, they're going to a hostile environment. Well, not really, but you know, it's a hostile in the sense that Baylor's going to be super comfortable at home shooting on their own baskets. And we're still seeing that effect in college basketball here. If not, look no further than Auburn, who's going to look really comfortable tonight at home when they're taking on Georgia, a team that they've already, you know, dropped ninety something points on, right? Yeah, so. Baylor Baylor did in fact play Texas Tech. They won by six at or eight at Lubbock. Sure. So good close game. Matt McClung, I'm sure, had a good game. Haven't played West Virginia, haven't played Texas. Their next matchup is at 
Texas in Austin. So that's right. That's tonight. That'll be a good one. That is tonight. That is one of the primetime matchups this evening. Prob- probably a better game to watch if you want to watch a good basketball game rather than Auburn, which we would presume is people going to people should watch oh, Auburn, Georgia. What are you saying, man? They, oh, I'm saying they should watch it. But if you want to watch a really good potential national, like national landscape changing game, Texas and Baylor is going to be a good one to watch. Only positives from that game against Baylor, though, on Saturday. The, the What I took away is Auburn held their own against a really good basketball team, and next year Auburn's going to be that really good basketball team that everybody else is going to be thinking, hey, we held our own against these guys. <laughs> when I didn't, when I was going through, and the way I watch sports, especially from a team that just lost, I always just draw negatives out of it because that's what I'm trying to piece together. What caused this score? What caused, the, what caused Auburn to lose that game? One, Baylor just overwhelmed them. That was a much better team. Turnovers we talked about. They they were given Baylor. Auburn only had thirteen turnovers to in Baylor's the fir- nine. In the first half was the turnovers in the first half was we're one bad, of them. Yeah. You you get behind, you start pressing the issue a little bit. I saw a little bit of lackluster effort on the defensive end in terms of rebounding. I was seeing a way too many second chance shots. Second by half. Baylor. Second half, I would agree with that. Yes. First half, not first half, not first half at all. The it was second a tale half. of two halves for sure. It was, and mo- most of the negatives I'm talking about are strictly second to half. the second half. And then when I think about it, and those are really the only really strong key complaints I have. That means you played a pretty good basketball game. Otherwise, well, they helped Baylor below certain averages as well. Auburn protected the ball against Baylor pressure. All things considered, when you're talking about Baylor's averaging. 18.6 opponent turnovers per game so they're turning over their opponents nearly 19 times a game Auburn only had 13 that that is that is a big difference in the stat column six turnovers could be 12 points at a, in a game you know that if, if you convert yep. all of them into buckets which most people are able to do that so that, I mean that could have turned it from a 12-point game to a 24-point game right there and then the other thing this one not as impressive but Baylor was the top three-point shooting team in the country with 43 percent of their shots dropping from beyond the arc they still are the number one team in the country in that category Auburn held them to 36.7 percent which if my team shot 36.7 percent from three I'd say hey that's a pretty good day at the office but still it was lower than their season average and a lot of that came from both of those teams couldn't buy a bucket in the first half Uh, but they also held them to 43.1 percent from the field which is a good day at the office defensively they held a team that was very good offensively to uh you know while they did still score 84 points part of that's just the nature of today's day and age in college basketball they held them from an efficiency standpoint down below their season averages which i think auburn fans should look into it really wasn't that bad of a defensive performance all things considered when you're looking at the stats there but yeah one of the youngest teams in the country auburn went against one of the most experienced teams in the country baylor and they held their own tonight's game against georgia though what's going on with the betting lines right now i think auburn is sitting around a nine point favorite right now a lot of people are really high on that auburn line i'm seeing about 60 percent of people on that margin right now so it's a little cause for concern that doesn't mean that that's a game that that's a guarantee that auburn won't cover it but maybe a little bit gassed after they played a big tough game on the road in waco maybe they come out a little sluggish i don't know we'll see i, I think auburn should handle this game but it isn't going to be interesting to see from that perspective we'll keep talking about this upcoming game georgia Auburn tonight in Auburn Arena. We'll talk about that later on in the show. On the other side of this break, a certain video game's coming back. We'll also be playing Will of Misfortune. Stick around, everybody. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7.
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. The number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It is Groundhog Day, so why not watch Groundhog Day on AMC at 7? Some family-friendly movies on Freeform starting at 6 with Kung Fu Panda 2, and then at 8, it's Rio 2. Start off Tuesday night college basketball at 5.30 on the Big Ten Network with number 24 Purdue at Maryland. At the 6 p.m. time slot, number 2 Baylor clashes with number 6 Texas on ESPN. On ESPN 2, we've got number 11 Tennessee at Ole Miss. Auburn and Georgia square off on SEC Network, and Michigan State is at number 8 Iowa on FS1. At the 8 p.m. time slot, number 12 Illinois at Indiana on ESPN, and Mississippi State at Arkansas on SEC Network. There are two NBA games on TNT starting at 6.30 with the Clippers at the Nets, and the night finishes off with the Celtics at the Warriors at 9. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Cataclysmic News in the sports universe. I mean, it's being talked about everywhere. Even if you don't play video games, you probably at least know something about what's happened. Cataclysmic news. I mean, this is epic. As as former intern Joss would say yesterday on the show, dramatic news in the sports universe. EA Sports Today said that the return, that there will be a return of, of the famous... Uh, used to be called you know NCAA football video game series it is no longer going to be called that it's going to be called EA Sports College Football and just there's an account out there it's called EA Sports College Football and then it it tweeted you know something like it said you know it's it's back or something like that and I'm waiting for people to superimpose an EA Sports logo on Sam Ellinger's head saying we're back you know and like it is and and along I got so excited in my in my little office in the back I, I, I opened up my door and I came looking out for the for the closest person to tell the good news and there was no one to tell the good news to. You're you're here by yourself. At, at least that nobody time. that would have cared to have to have heard the good news. And I was like, oh man, this this hurts. But exciting news today in the sports universe. I mean, this is being picked up everywhere and it, it, this is a this is a this is a cool thing to have that coming back because that was a major that was a major that was a mainstay in in the video game industry. You know seven years ago and even for people who don't really play video games all that much there were people who literally would buy playstations whether it be two three what have you or xboxes just to have sports games and ncaa football previously was people one still of them. do that i mean the, me, the and market, still, me and you still play ncaa 100%. 14 yeah as as do a lot of people yeah i'm currently the head coach of the san jose state spartans of Ooh. my own volition i promise um that that has been that's about a four or five year dynasty in the making now i'm not leaving we're taking this team to the top as you as you would say to the moon to the moon (laughs) but uh definitely when the new game comes out i i think it'll be important to play uh to play as auburn the first go through obviously you haven't gotten to see them you know they've put college football teams into the latest maddens and everything and you couldn't you couldn't play as those you couldn't play as auburn because they, they never put them in there it was always like texas oregon uh they never put alabama in there clemson uh, you know Florida some some just you know major names in college football Auburn was not a part of that group they weren't a part of some of the NBA 2k games that had college teams in it either so that that was a bummer but now you know Auburn fans are going to be able to to don the orange and blue again what we what do we know about this game nothing we we know all, all we know is that it's coming back and at the moment that they are 
moving on without names and likenesses of players, which was the big thing that got this thing shut down way back when because the players unified and said, we want to get paid, and then it you know shut the thing down, which everybody got paid, and now it's on its way back, but it's going to be on the way back without names and likenesses. So, But that's not a big deal, as Darren Ravel wanted to point out that it would be a big deal. It's not a big deal. Tell them. Tell them why it's not a big it's deal. It's not a big deal because Madden games, NCAA football, 2K, for you know all these sports video games have a roster sharing feature like like a feature on there where you can share files with people in the in the video game community and somebody out there is going to hunker away for you know two days and edit every single player on every single roster on this video game and i know a lot of people are thinking man do these do these guys have lives i don't do that somebody else does out there and it makes me very happy yep but it's like it's like darren Ravel hadn't hadn't realized that you know how it's only 14 has survived the apocalypse you know every single year there's been new there's been an update for ncaa right. 14 with current rosters on a game that, that will happen in 2013 the it's other stuff ridiculous the other stuff that we don't know though is uh the other stuff that we don't know though is when it will be released it doesn't look like it's going to be coming out this year for this fall i i i would be and, and people shouldn't be upset about that you look at it february i mean games are you know over a year in the making it's, it takes a lot of time There's you a lot would of much rather wait you right. would much rather it come out next year and have a good product than it come out this year i promise now i've said a lot of times i wouldn't be shocked if like ea sports has, has had a game in like a you know a cryogenesis you know chamber somewhere like frozen ready to be released because they they make madden every year what you don't need to reinvent the wheel just put out the madden video game and a lot of people are like really angry with me saying that because a lot of people have issues with madden's gameplay but why not just put out madden with college football madden with a college football skin to a degree or a mod if you will with a you know slight tweak to ui and certain you know you're obviously not going to have the super bowl or the franchise yeah. you'll have dynasty you'll have you know road to the heisman or whatever it used to be that we have a lot of people have a lot of gripes with madden me and you are not excluded from that we spoke about some of the gripes we have i still play it from a oh i do too and from a technical standpoint it's not perfect but can you imagine you hit it right on the head off off the air the nightmare it has to be to make a physics engine for a football game sure. it is just brutal and they do a good job i think with it now i mean all things considered i mean it's just not going to be perfect but we don't know when it's coming out we, we don't know all the features that are going to be in it. All we know about this game is that it's coming back at some point. They have committed to it, and that that's a big deal. And there are things coming up in the sports business industry, you know, in terms of the lawsuits that have been occurring, whether or not players can sell their likeness or that universities can do it. However, that financial structure looks, because that's yet to be determined, but a financial structure could be coming to college football, and that could fit into the video game, being able to have player likenesses in it, which obviously is the dream goal for it. That, that would be what people would like to see. But if it's not feasible, it's not going to prevent the game from coming back. I'm shocked it took this long to bring it back because this, what they're doing now, could have been done you know, last year. Well, they didn't have a lot of losses in terms of revenue over the past year from a pandemic to speed sure. up this process to put, put another product out. So do you have an idea of who do you think is going to be the cover athlete for this? I don't know. Obviously, if it, if, it, if it was this year's game, I would put Devontae Smith on the cover. But I, I think whoever wins the Heisman, they should put on the cover. I think if it came out this year, they'd put Trevor Lawrence over Devontae Smith. I think they would 100% do that. Not saying that that's who I would want. I'm just saying that I think that's what they would do if it came out this year. Let's put Najee Harris on the cover. I mean, come on. like <laughs> Put 
find every like Heisman winner or major player from 2014 or the 2013-2014 season until now and just put all of them on there in like a small scape here's what i think they should do i think that they should have a customizable cover for every single team out there for for this reboot for everybody to get who they want and just you have know, it offer as a people can get you know cam newton or Bo on it or somebody you know it'd be sick it'd be sick excited about that game's return and the implications of that in collegiate athletics but we got our number two coming up on the other side of this break stay with us auburn football auburn basketball talk coming up on another hour of on the line you are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and silicaga and in auburn and opelika on espn 1067 listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com you are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Oh yeah, it's been a good show on On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. The number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Great first hour. If you missed it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We talked Auburn football recruiting. We talked Auburn basketball's upcoming game against Georgia. We even talked about EA Sports' announcement to return with the college football video game. Uh, it's going to be called EA Sports College Football. It's no longer the NCAA football insert year here series, but exciting news in the sports universe today and we've got it all coming here for you second hour we'll have wheel of misfortune coming up we'll continue to talk auburn basketball their game against georgia and then right now we'll start off the first hour with auburn football a day away from national signing day how do we expect this signing day to go we've talked about that a little bit already obviously folks should be tempering their expectations but I think that Auburn, over these last two days, of course, people, I think, have been underwhelmed by the most recent commitments to come to Auburn. They've been all three stars, Colby Smith, an offensive tackle, Joko Willis of this year's uh, inside linebacker, Juco, or this Juco inside linebacker core. And then also you look out, and then into 2022, you got Holden Jariner, a three-star quarterback there, who I don't think will be a three-star for long. You talk about all these guys who have recently committed for Auburn. You also get a transfer in there with Andrew Leota. Auburn fans seem to be a little underwhelmed that these are the first commitments to come through the door for this new coaching staff, but it's not like things were going to catch fire right away. There's still the reality that there is the pandemic. You can't get guys on campus, and they really didn't have a lot of things. They didn't really have a lot of time to salvage this class, considering they just completed their coaching staff like a week and a half ago, right? So, like, what 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 can you really do? And so, I think that people should be tempering their expectations. As you've said many times, Levi, going into tomorrow. But I like these commitments that Auburn's brought in. I think they all fill some sort of need for Auburn moving forward. And I don't think people should be underwhelmed by this. Three stars can be good players, too. They can pan out. Obviously, you don't want to fill your team up with three stars over time. But I think when you just isolate these three commitments here, they help Auburn in a very specific way. And that's how people should be taking this, as they are coming in to provide help at positions of need for Auburn. Offensive tackle, linebacker, where there is now going to be personnel changes. And then you look at quarterback. Auburn's got to find a quarterback for after Bo Nix. And, of course, Demetrius Davis is 
uh, is a part of that group, but you know he wasn't recruited by this coaching staff. He wasn't their guy. Now, of course, he has stayed with them, yes, but he's not th- this coaching staff's recruit. He committed while Auburn was still, or he signed while Auburn was still searching for a coach. And I was kind of shocked to see that because I feel like quarterback is a position that you really want to be sure about the next year's scheme. And of course, he could end up playing for Auburn, but it, it is, uh, you know, Auburn did go out and try and find a quarterback for them after they missed on Gunnar Stockton. They went to try and go and find a quarterback in that 2022 class that uh, is going to fit what they want to do scheme wise. I think people just need to be thankful we have recruits coming in the door to begin with. We have recruits that are on this. Already. We have recruits. I mean, you would ex- just be happy that we have something. All the circumstances that are against this coaching staff and this recruiting cycle, they are just mountainous. And it is such a hard, just uphill battle to climb. They've got guys. They've got guys who, like you said, immediately fill gaps. You've got the linebacker help from Joko Willis. I'm I'm very intrigued by him as well just because of his size. 6'3", that's that's a monster linebacker that we haven't had at Auburn in a good bit. You've got a guy coming from Northwestern where he's playing for a guy in Pat Fitzgerald who gets the most out of all of his players and lesser talented guys because Northwestern's a lot like Vanderbilt where you're under those smart guy restrictions, as we call it. They have to recruit academics first. So you know you're getting a smart kid coming in. You know you're getting a guy who has been under a good coach for a while in Leota. That's a really good pickup. Again, you're just getting guys to come in right now, and that is a big thing because of the fact they got such a late start to this game. You've got a pandemic going on where you can't sell people on Auburn. Auburn's biggest selling point is it's Auburn. It's in, And it's, I mean, obviously the SEC school and the caliber of Auburn's name, but that, that campus, that city, it just has a way of bringing people in here and really just captivate them. They can't do that right now. So you're getting guys that come in, you're getting a tackle or you're getting a lineman for the first time, what, since 2017 that you said? You're getting all kinds of value out of these guys. You're not just at least getting, oh, we got a five-star or we have a three-star blah, blah, blah coming in that in a position group that is already filled out to the max. Let's look at linebacker first. We talked about how all of these guys – fit a specific need for Auburn let's look at linebacker first you brought up his height I'm looking at this year's roster looking at heights of linebackers on Auburn's roster right now Owen Papo six foot one he's listed at 222 it's a little bit heavier than I thought he actually was he plays a little bit smaller than that I'm interested about that I didn't know he was 222 pounds Zacoby McLean six foot 211 um other guys that might play in the future are gonna you know cipher through some of these walk-ons Desmond Tisdall six foot 231 good weight there as well I like how I like how built he is but the height there a little bit shorter he's more of a KJ Britt linebacker who is six foot 243 Chandler Wooten's the tallest one we've seen so far at six two 229 he'll be back on the roster Wesley Steiner six foot 227 Cam Riley the the largest one now that I've gone through this list as a freshman six four 209 could get in the mix uh, Cameron Brown, six foot two thirty-seven. I mean, you look at some of the linebackers that were brought in under this previous coaching staff. They were not bringing in taller linebackers. Height is something that I think, to a degree, has plagued some Auburn linebackers being able to get to the next level. Deshaun Davis and KJ Britt were smaller guys, still heavy, heavy enough to play in the league, but didn't move well. They weren't tall. They just didn't fit that prototypical spot. Six foot three is a lot closer to that. We say all that to say Joko Willis, the Juco inside linebacker commit, he's at 6'3", 215. He's lean enough at 215 to play out in space if they ever need to go to the nickel. He's an inside linebacker, so you could see him play out at nickel as, as a nickel linebacker, as one of those two guys 
and he's six foot three, uh, giving him a little bit more of that NFL mold. Yes, he's a three-star, but you couldn't have done much better than getting the number two inside linebacker out of the JUCO class. You can only do one better than that. So, and they were all three stars. So, I, I, I when you look at JUCO guys, I don't, I don't care about star rating. That it's so hard to evaluate JUCO guys in comparison to incoming, you know, incoming recruits that are freshmen next year, but also trying to compare those guys to guys that are already on college campuses. It's borderline impossible to be able to compare them to guys who have already been on college campuses. So, star rating there means nothing to me. It is I fine. He's a three-star. He could be ready to play next year. He could play a key role on an Auburn defense. The key here for Joko Willis is Auburn is moving to a 3-4 defense. And this is a clear sign to me that they were searching for inside linebackers. They moved TD Moultrie back to inside linebacker. They've got Joko Willis coming in. I'm curious where Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean fit in a 3-4 look. Which linebacker spot they'll be at? Will they be moved to outside linebacker? Will they, you know, because I think some of the, I think those two guys are a little bit better than playing and playing out in space than maybe. Uh, and some of those outside linebackers, though, too, could be used for pass rushers. It, it just depends on what this scheme is going to bring. One of them may be a pass rusher, and one of them may be more, you know, prone to drop back into coverage. You just you never know because we haven't seen Derek Mason install the defense yet, and we won't until a day. And when we finally get to see where all of these linebackers line up, but one thing is for sure, after Auburn didn't play anybody other than Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean this past year, a linebacker, they needed bodies that were ready to come in and contribute, and Joko Willis fills that at inside linebacker. They just need some sort of help, and it's not just linebacker anymore, which it's weird to say it because most of the time you were just trotting out two linebackers in that Auburn in the previous Auburn defense, and now you need to really solidify an inside linebacker role and an outside linebacker role. And it's clear as day that they are really trying to do that, not only just from going and getting a guy like Joko Willis to come in, moving T.D. Moultrie back, you also have that specification on the coaching staff of inside linebackers coach, outside linebackers coach. There's going to be two, there's going to be different things asked of these two linebacking positions. It's, it's clear to me that they just needed some more guys. They needed guys who are ready to be played. They needed guys who are going to be able to fit this scheme and, be able to differentiate instead of just all right we're going to trot out Owen Papo and Jacoby McClain like we did last year there's going to be a lot more linebackers as you'd expect transitioning to 3-4 they just needed guys who could play and needed guys who could commit to Auburn and good job on the coaching staff for finding a guy who is at a junior college in Kansas but has light Auburn ties from being relatively close by from that LaGrange area in Troop County yeah I think he played at Troop County High School when he was in high school he's from the Independence Community College in Kansas that was in Last Chance U. So that's pretty cool. I don't know if he was there when the previous head coach was there. I don't know if he was there when the show was being filmed, but he's definitely, a, uh, he's definitely I think, a good commit for Auburn moving forward, filling that. The next one's obvious. Offensive tackle Colby Smith, he committed a few days earlier, than, or literally the day before Joko Willis did, but Colby Smith's obvious. First of all, Auburn hasn't signed an offensive tackle. Or really, the only point here why this is obvious is Auburn hasn't signed an offensive tackle since 2017. Colby Smith fits a dire need at tackle. You want to know what's bad about Auburn's offensive line right now? That some people may not know if they haven't done the research, but I, I have been pumping this information out since I discovered it after the Georgia game. I found this after the Georgia game this past year. I said, how bad is this offensive line when you look at recruiting? Because I was like, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, all these guys have to have better recruits on their O-lines than Auburn does. And I did the research. Auburn's got two, two low three-star defensive tackle commits they, were, they committed to Auburn after being defensive tackles. They were low three stars, and they moved them to the offensive side of the ball. One of those is Alec Jackson playing at left tackle. Your starting left tackle 
the the position that protects your quarterback's blindside is a low three-star defensive tackle commit. And then, of course, the other one was Tayshawn Manning, but he's playing at guard. Of course, over at right tackle, Broderius Ham, I think, was was a fun commit. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that that was a bad commitment for Auburn over at right tackle, but it's, it's been quite some time since Auburn has brought in somebody that is truly a tackle and then has not moved them to guard. Everybody's actually playing their legitimate position. You know, this Auburn offensive line, you go and look at the recruiting rankings, it, it, it's, it's pretty tough. There's only one four-star on that line. Only one. Ham was a three-star. Brandon Council was a two-star. Akron transfer. The only four-star on that group is in the middle with Brahms. I like what I like what Kobe Smith brings in terms of just his height alone. A little light luster at 315. Six, 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 seven, seven? Six, seven, 315. I'm cool with the 315. That's fine. That just tells me he can move. Yeah, I, I mean, don't he need can someone move. who's 350. And but can't he can move. also, and if they need him to bulk up, that is one thing that I like is if he wants to, if they want him to get bigger, he can get bigger. If they want him to slim down to 300, whatever, he could do that too. But you can't change height. You can change weight. You cannot change height. You can teach someone how to block. You cannot teach someone how to grow to six foot seven overnight. Six foot seven, that's a monster of a tall man right there. You you can mold that body however you want to to play that offensive line. And I think Will Friend and Coach Harson will do that. I just I, I'm one of those guys when I see height, that's it's like an, a raw material where you sure. can't you just cannot it's malleable. You can't teach that. But if you see someone who's tall, maybe not as good as blocking, you know, a three star guy comes in, maybe you want him to weigh more, maybe him weighing less is good for the scheme just depends but you can do what you want with that you can change that you can't make people grow overnight but you can definitely make people gain weight get and develop them in terms of blocking and Auburn's lost offensive line commits out of this class already they've lost two and now they only have to come again Garner Langlow is already enrolled but he's a guard six seven two two seventy so two six seven guys coming in so you got behemoths coming into this Love Auburn it. offensive line maybe you'll see Langlow add a couple you know add a you know a, a few tens of pounds there probably maybe you know try and get him up to near 300 maybe maybe not it you'll you will just time will tell with this new coaching staff but Langlo coming in he's he's a big guy he's number 34 overall guard he's a three-star obviously not not you know what Alabama and Georgia are bringing in but at least when you're talking about Auburn found a way to at least get a guard and a tackle this is still a smaller offensive line class than what you're hoping for I'm interested to see what happens tomorrow if Auburn brings in any offensive linemen but Colby Smith obviously fills a desperate need at tackle and I'm going to tell you he's not enough Auburn needs more but he's at least a step in that direction it's something it's 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 at least something it's something and then the other commitment that we'll talk about before we go to break here 2022 quarterback Holden Jariner, a three-star, but the way everybody's talking about him is that he's going to add another star before he steps on campus. He's got another year to do it. Really, the way that players are being evaluated now with the with the case of the pandemic is it's harder for these guys, I think, to improve their ratings because not as many people are out there watching guys. This guy should be able to add another star after another season, even if, though, he's a scheme fit. They're going to bring you pro-style quarterbacks. That's probably the commitment that I like the least out of the three that we have taken a look at but the whole point of this segment was saying that all three of these guys fit a specific need for Auburn moving forward and when a new coaching staff is coming in they're going to try and go out there and get the quarterback that is going to fit their scheme Bobo's first guy was going to be Gunnar Stockton miss he's going to Georgia unfortunately you're going to be seeing that guy don the red and black but you look at this next quarterback they obviously believe in this guy if he's a three-star He'll probably add another one, so it won't look as bad on paper for folks. They'll forget about the fact that when he committed, he was a three. 
and he fits what they want to do on that side of the football this new coaching staff is going to try and bring in their guys of course this first year they are going to fit their offense to what they've got but that doesn't mean they aren't going to recruit for what they want to do in the future and 100 percent that's somebody that they're recruiting to try and fit to what they want to do in the future they're getting they're getting on it early too they're trying to make sure that i think they understand that this recruiting class i don't want to say a wash but it's it's a little it's not their class it's not their class it's not their so they're, fault. i think they're putting all their chips onto the next recruiting cycle the 2022 recruiting class and i think they're going to try to make that one as beefy as possible to make up for this class that they really didn't have much control over they didn't bring in a lot of these guys and they got to they got to the table late they just didn't have an opportunity to really put a stamp on this class i mean you finished your we've we've said it so many times throughout the show but you just finished your coaching staff and the position groups last week you can't sell guys to come in when you don't even know who their coach is going to be it's just it's it's a tall task so I think that next recruiting class is the one that you absolutely want to look out for more of on the line on the other side of this break we'll be back in just a few moments stay with us Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on the line. Find us on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Head to ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 1067 app to enter your score prediction of the big game between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers on Sunday, February 7th for a shot at $50,000. Courtesy of the Orthopedic Clinic, Pepsi, and Johnny Brusco's Pizza. If you aren't able to take home the grand prize with your score, second prize will take home a 50-inch smart TV from Rick's Audio Video Appliance. ESPN 106.7 has your chance to win $50,000 during this year's big game. Get all the details and enter today at ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 106.7 app, all brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic, Pepsi, Johnny Brusco's Pizza, and Rick's Audio Video Appliance. 50000 Gs, my man the big game this Sunday we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the show but first it's time to revisit that segment that we missed yesterday but I'm glad you're here for it 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 was just it it, it was all uh, it it, it was just waiting for you to return and so here without a doubt let's get into some wheel of misfortune it's time for the wheel of misfortune we take a look at the butt fumbling head scratching choke artist of the week and select the biggest loser on the wheel of misfortune if anybody's got a nomination for their own personal wheel of misfortune feel free to call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 the intro there is pretty self-explanatory we're, we're, we're submitting somebody here who's who's had a tough week levi do you have somebody in mind i've got someone in mind let's do it i right, will spin the wheel here for you i think it's jared goff i mean he was poor in guy. poor guy was in the sunny beautiful city of los angeles working with one of the brightest minds in the nfl and sean mcveigh now he's in detroit now he's in detroit ripping knees eating kneecaps and ripping people's hearts out with man campbell up there i mean come on i mean he they call him a system quarterback because he's been playing with sean mcveigh for so long and man man, to think about that trade it has to be hard to look in the mirror and say man i'm that bad that my contract is that bad that they had to give up all of these first-round picks to Detroit just to get rid of me. So 
Buddy has had a rough. Do you go say it's of that it. bad though? I think that that's that's fair. They did have to give up like, all those. I, draft I think picks. they were giving yeah. up the picks for. I don't think Matthew Stafford was worth all those picks. I think it was. Hey, if you take this contract, we'll give you a lot of picks in return. So I think that's kind of what the the deal was. Again, just cities in general. Going from Los Angeles, he's a California kid. You're going from Los Angeles to Detroit, Michigan. Nothing against the city of Detroit. But when you're a California kid and you're in Los Angeles, you don't want to go to cold, snowy Detroit. I wonder. I wonder what when the last time Matthew Stafford wore shorts. He said one of his biggest things was he wanted to go somewhere warm weather, and I don't blame him for that. Yeah. And the only team on his no trade list was the New England Patriots, yeah, and I think not, that was all Matt, Matt Patricia. Yeah, he was not a fan of Matt Patricia. He did not want to go there. But I don't know what what has Matthew Stafford ever done in his career, man? I mean, is he really going to turn the Rams around? What is he a loser? One playoff win or whatever? I, well, yeah, he hasn't gotten the opportunity to play in the playoffs. He's a good quarterback. But no, I think I think if he stays healthy, I think he'll be a top ten quarterback in the league with this off. Like in all seriousness, I think he'll be a top ten quarterback in the league with this Rams offense if if. He stays healthy, and that's been the biggest problem with him throughout his career. I think other guys of, have to stay healthy too for him. I think he oh, needs yeah. help. And I'm I'm not totally sold on the move to Los Angeles. I don't think that this is the you know like if you're going to give up that much, like they gave up a lot for Matthew Stafford. Would that same deal have gotten Deshaun Watson for them in L.A.? Mm, potentially, because that was a lot of first round picks. Exactly. I think that's the big thing. It's just the first round picks. And that was It's like did somebody not tell LA that Deshaun Watson was available? Well, they called for Maybe. Aaron Rodgers. They were they called for Aaron Rodgers and they told and Green Bay said Aaron Rodgers not available. So they went for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers on that offense was Also, Sean though, did someone not tell them though that Deshaun Watson was available? Maybe the Texans didn't want to deal him to LA. Maybe Deshaun Watson didn't want to go. He has that no trade clause. They could have called and he's he they could have called the Texans and him and Deshaun Watson been like I really don't want to go out there and play for him. Which brings me to my Will of Fortune nominee here. Deshaun Watson. And it's his fault. I'm not here for it. I'm not here for all this mess. This is this is absurd. You want to leave the Houston Texans organization for the New York Jets? Like they're not you're not gonna evoke your no trade clause for the New York Jets? We're talking about one of the most poorly managed franchises in NFL history with the New York Jets and your second best option is the Miami Dolphins which is a better option considering they were on the verge of the playoffs but let's just say he goes down the road and uh, of going to New York let's say he follows the the yellow or not the yellow the green brick road to New York Jets that's that's you know full of vomit and nastiness because the Jets are a horrible franchise right now. Let's say he follows that up there. He's bringing with him an exorbitant contract that without a doubt will handcuff the New York Jets in their rebuilding efforts. It's a barren wasteland. There is no talent there. None. Zero. There's Whoa. nothing there. Quinn and Williams would like to have a word. That's not on the offensive side of the ball either, though. How's okay, that so going to help You mean just from offense. Okay. But also, let, let's just go down that road then. Okay, Quinn and Williams may be out there. You're going to leave J.J. Watt for Quinn and Williams? I mean, J.J. J. J. Watt could come with him. That's okay. No, he can't. <laughs> and so my thing is you're going to New York with that contract that is going to seriously re- restrict what the Jets can do in free agency. Oh, by the way, the Jets are going to have to give up the most valuable thing that a, rebuild, that a rebuilding franchise would need in order to rebuild. They're going to give up draft real estate. They're, and they're going to give up a lot of it. 
probably two first-round picks and, and, and that very important second overall pick that they've got with, uh, you know, take your pick with a quarterback that could pan out to be just as good as Deshaun Watson. Now, Deshaun Watson is a top-tier quarterback in the league. I'm not dogging Deshaun Watson here for any of his ability or anything. I just think it's absolutely absurd because the the Houston Texans, and maybe he's just fed up with the Texans and he doesn't want to be a part of that organization anymore. I get that. Fine. You don't want to work there anymore, whatever. You want to find a change of scenery. But it's not always greener on the other side, man, just because the uniform colors are green. I'll, All I, right? <laughs> I still think of it – I I honestly enjoy watching what's happening with Deshaun Watson because I like the ability to see the player empowerment because the player – is the most important part in this equation. He is asserted. He we have, we don't see this from NFL guys. We see it in the NBA all the time where they just strong arm. Yeah, I mean James Harden for one just recently happened. You see this happen a lot. I mean Carmelo Houston, Anthony. Houston should be the the wheel of misfortune. You, the city of Houston. I don't know what's happened with with that. I mean, it's just, the Astros curse. They brought ill ill fate to the city. Hey. It's worth it. You got a champion. You got a World Series out of it. I'm happy. You know. You know how I feel. It's all about the ring at the end. It doesn't matter. Was it matter. worth it? <laughs> what did it cost you, Thanos? Everything. But you got a ring. I don't know. I, I still enjoy the to see the player empowerment from Deshaun Watson, and it's it's interesting to think that now with what the Texans released this weekend, saying that it's going to take two impact players on defense and two first round picks. I don't think the Jets have that capital to. Trade. I don't think they have the two defensive like impact players. I don't think they have that to really trade. Well, the Texans have created such a price that most teams don't have that, and they can't afford to do that. I just don't understand why Deshaun Watson's not like, I want to go to a contender or a team that could become a contender with his skills being brought to that respective location. You know, there are a number of teams out there that adding Deshaun Watson and giving up many first round picks is not a problem I think you can find those locations in the NFL when if they have made the conscious decision that this is our window we are going to win now we're going after it in the Super Bowl understanding that in three to four years if you didn't win a Super Bowl your your franchise is probably going to collapse under the weight that you didn't have any first round picks but that's the that is we see that bet all the time we just saw the Rams do that we just literally saw the Rams trade away their future for Matthew Stafford they traded away their future. You can't you can't say that. You can't write it any other way. They traded a younger quarterback for an older quarterback and all of those draft picks away. So I like yours. I like yours with the Rams. And Jared, I, I you know, maybe it, maybe the Rams should be on the wheel of misfortune. If they get a if they get a Super Bowl win out of this, they don't right, mind. So they don't mind. That's the bet they made. They said we're gonna yep. win a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. That's what they said, or at least we're gonna try. And if you don't, well, in three to four years, uh oh. In three to four years, you'll be on the segment Uh-oh. of the uh, Wheel of Misfortune you'll be draft, for that. You'll be drafting the next Jared Goff again, and then you might be doing this 10 years from now. You know, So this Deshaun Watson thing, it kind of feels like, it's, it's like, why did you even do this deal if you weren't going to be there long term? Well, you do that. You sign the deal to get your guaranteed money. And then you have all you still have all the power in the world. Again, it's NBA. I don't know if he it's does. NBA leaking into the NFL. I don't know if he's got all the power in the world. Him and the Texans are, are have their hands tied. It'll be interesting to see what happens. More of on the line on the other side of this break. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
Auburn, Georgia at a big game tonight. We talked a little bit in the first hour about Baylor and the positives that Auburn fans should be taking away from that game going to this one. This is going to be a tough game tonight for Auburn, I think, and you had some information about the betting lines. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Levi, hit me up with what's going on in Vegas right now in regards to this game and try and translate it to folks about what it means about how people are viewing this game right now and, and how people are uh, how people are kind of seeing it at the moment. So you're seeing Auburn come out as a nine-point favorite right now. I think they opened up at around an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. That's probably more in line with what I would like to see them at. So to see them around nine is a little scary. You also see Auburn getting about 65% of the bets right now. That's also scary. That means a lot of the public is on Auburn to win by nine. From Why is that scary? Anytime that you see the majority of the public going one way on something – and Vegas is, you have to think about it like this. If 65% is on Auburn, that means 35% is on Georgia. If you can think of that 35% as Vegas, because that's what Vegas wants. Vegas wants the least amount of people to win at all times. So that means Vegas is sitting there with 35% of what they want to win. So if you're, and just think about this, Vegas is still a thing. Casinos are still a thing. They still make all the money at the end of the day. So when you see that Vegas is, when you see a team that is getting just, above 60% to 70% of all bets, typically Vegas is sitting there happy because they think that if that team loses, they're going to get all the profit and they make the lines. So if they don't like that line, they can just move it whenever they want to. So Auburn right now, what are they favored at? Nine. So you're not necessarily saying that you're not saying that Auburn's going to lose tonight, but do you think it's going to be close? I think it'll be a little bit closer. I think they gave out a lot in that Saturday game. And I think that's the thing that is probably factoring into this line. I think a lot of people watched Auburn play really well against Baylor, and they haven't been impressed with Georgia. Georgia has been on a little bit of a hot streak. They have ripped out a few games. They've played a little bit better here lately. And Auburn, again, has been playing really hot. I think they gave out a lot in Waco. And this is a quick turnaround, too. I mean, Saturday to Tuesday, when you played the number two team on the road and a dominant number two team that has looked like so far, I think it really just shows that I think they're going to be a little gassed. Justin Powell's not going to be back. He's not, he might not come back this year. Some of the reports that came out about him struggling with schoolwork with his head injury is just, and I mean, my thoughts are out there to that young man because that is a scary thing to be dealing with. And I just hope the best for his health first, but Auburn's going to be without him for the foreseeable future. On Saturday, on after the game, I made the statement, I don't think Auburn's going to figure out the two-guard position this year. Let's be real. Jamal Johnson's not playing great at the moment, but if you move him to the bench, it's not like Devin Cambridge was playing great when he was a starter. He's actually thrived as a six-man. I think the lineup you're working with at the moment is probably the best lineup that Auburn's going to put put on the floor sans Justin Powell. Now, Justin Powell is, you know, as soon as he gets cleared, another probably week and a half, two weeks from being 100% game shape. So even, and that's, you know, talking, you know, Bruce Pearl's talked about reacclimation period for him once he finally gets cleared. We don't know when this guy's going to get cleared. And then on top of that, it could take, you know, another week to two weeks for him to be reacclimated to game shape. It took Sharif Cooper, I feel like, a, a week and a half to finally actually look comfortable playing a full game of basketball and not seeing any real drop off at any point in the game in terms of energy. 
So with Justin Powell coming back from recovery from an injury, you look at that type of timetable where we have no idea when he could return. And then when he does return, you've still got another half month right there before you really feel great about him, you know, 100% in a ball game. I think the season's over by that point. I'm not saying he won't return, but I'm just saying I don't think Auburn figures out this two-guard position this year. And it, it might be next year before you see a really fully complete lineup for this Auburn basketball team. It's a shame that we didn't get to see this team healthy at full strength at full strength at any point this year i'd rather him just sit out the rest of the year if i'm being honest if some of the reports that have come out about how serious this has been for him i'd rather him just sit out the rest of the year and just rest i mean i you're, you're talking about a young man's a young man's head at this point and we've seen some of the dangers that concussions and head injuries can do i would rather him just be as safe as possible get rested up come back next year ready to play if he feels comfortable enough to come play then by all means get him back out there let him get back with the team I just look at I look for it from a health perspective and I want the health for that young man to be the top of this concern right now Georgia their last five games after playing Auburn and losing 95-77 they've gone three and two they beat Ole Miss twice Ole Miss is their most recent victory they beat Ole Miss this past Saturday 71 to 61 and their two losses they lost to a newly ranked Florida team that's now uh that's now like 22 in the country after beating west virginia they lost to florida 92 to 84 two saturdays ago but then in the midweek last week bad loss here they got annihilated by south carolina 83 to 59 it's kind of you open up the bag and you wonder what georgia you're gonna get you wonder you know it's like those harry potter jelly beans you don't know what you're gonna pull out you know with this georgia team but i'll tell you something about this georgia team they're a different basketball team since they played auburn they're a better basketball team since they played auburn we talk about what a difference Sharif Cooper has made for Auburn, changing their basketball team. Well, they got back KD Johnson six games ago when they played Auburn. That was the first time that he had played all year long when he played against the Tigers. He's got five more games under his belt since then. He's averaging 13.3 points per game, three rebounds per game, uh, not even an assist per game, but one and a half steals per game, where he is second on the team in that stat category. The guy shoots 44% from the field, 60% from the free throw line, but a whopping 44% from three. KD Johnson has been a shot in the arm for this Georgia basketball team that was looking for rejuvenation after they lost to Auburn. He's been big time for them. I think he's changed the Georgia dynamic a little bit because there's one more scorer on this team. Of course, they're led by Severe Wheeler at 13.5 points per game in the backcourt as well. And then they have two forwards that are averaging in double digits also. Georgia has four guys that can score it on this team. That Georgia's not a bad team offensively. They 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 score the basketball a lot, mainly because of their tempo. I'm not I'm not calling them the most efficient team in the world because they're really not one of the most efficient offensive teams in the SEC. They're they're lower on that category. You look at their team field goal percentage at about 46.1%, which is fine. That's about where Auburn's at. From beyond the arc, they're shooting 31.8% from from three as a team that's not that great that's pretty bad Auburn's not going to be as concerned about the three-point line as they were going into that Baylor game because Baylor was the top three-point shooting team in the country but this Georgia team brings athleticism to the table they like to run the floor they like to try and turn teams over they get after it they turn the ball over themselves they're not a polished team but they are athletic enough I think to give Auburn some trouble I still think Auburn covers tonight I think they win. I'm very hesitant to say that Auburn covers, and that's not a, not necessarily a bad thing. That's a lot to cover off, right? You know, eight and a half, nine points is a lot. I think it'll probably be settled around seven or eight. I could be wrong. Another thing of note, I did see that Auburn or Georgia is actually pulling in about seventy-seven percent of the money 
while only drawing in around 30% of the bets, which means a lot of people are putting a lot of big money, bigger wages on Georgia, which typically means people who are sharp, people who are smart, people who do this a lot and often, which doesn't bode well for the Auburn spread, but that doesn't mean that Auburn will lose because they are nine-point favorites. It could just mean they win by seven or six instead of They could win nine. by ten. They could win by ten. You never know. It could be something crazy. It's just, again, all these numbers, they don't mean anything. Just, to, just because I'm hesitant because I see everybody's on Auburn at nine doesn't mean that Auburn doesn't come out and win by 20 or 30. It could happen. Here's the stat that's most important to me of why I think Auburn covers. Auburn's the top shot-blocking team in the country. They average the most blocks out of anybody they dominate the rim when it comes to protection at the interior parts of the floor. Georgia shoots 31% from beyond the arc. Abysmal. They're not trying to score it from beyond the arc. They're not really a threat there. They don't have too many guys that can spread the floor. When Georgia's out there focusing on the three-point line, they're heinously inefficient. It is like turnovers. Heinously inefficient. I love that. <laughs> they're going to try and bring it inside against Auburn, which is exactly where Auburn wants you. Auburn wants you coming and knocking on their door. And then, blap, blocked away, over. This team is a shot-blocking machine. I've never seen a team shot-block so many times into the teens in a year. It's unreal. So, many, so much it's length. Unreal. They have so much length. and it's Auburn a, wants you there. Bring it's it. a good matchup for Auburn in, in that sense because they want you to come inside. Georgia has to score inside because they have been absolutely abysmal from three-point range. And again, it... That's changed a little bit, but, I mean, come on. This is what Auburn wants. Auburn wants a team that has to score inside on them, and they want the ability to deny you that. That's where Auburn's bread and butter is on defense is shot blocking, making you beat them by three. They did it with Baylor. Baylor popped out and just started hammering threes away in the second half. I don't think Georgia has that ability to do so. I don't think they can beat Auburn with three-pointers. Also, Georgia only averaging 2.3 blocks themselves per game. So where's the rim protection at there when you're talking about Georgia? And what does Auburn like to do? What does Sharif Cooper like to do? Drive to the basket. Right. And even if he's not scoring at the basket, just getting inside and making yep. a defense crash really helps this Auburn team out. And what does Auburn do well at home? Shoot. Shoot. They and shoot so, a lot better. you got to have people making threes. I mean, the, you got to have some guys out there making threes. That's been that's one thing that's just been missing from Auburn this year. They just haven't had a guy where it's kicked out and he's open on the wing or in the short or in the short corner wherever on the floor that you're just like, that's automatic. When Bryce Brown got it on the kickout, when Jared Harper drove, you always thought, that's in. Even when it wasn't, you thought, that's in. You don't have that kind of guy on this team where they shoot, you go, that's in. You just don't have that guy. And if you could add that guy to the mix. It's coming. Gets, yes. If it's someone, coming if, next year. If someone steps up and does that, man, this team is dangerous. Yeah, Jabari Smith will be out there. Yep. I think you might see him play a lot of the inside, too, just because he is a power forward. But he's going to help you stretch the floor, be able to step out. You're going to see that pick-and-pop game come back to Auburn that they had with Chuma Kiki and Anthony McLemore did that. But it's going to be better than that. They're, he's going to be a better three-point shooter than those guys. I mean, people rave about his shooting ability more than his interior presence. And then obviously you got Trey Alexander coming in as well, who's averaging in the 20s during his high school season. So Auburn's going to have guys that can can score the basketball this upcoming year um, going into next season. But you're right. Right now they don't have a dead-eyed three-point shooter with consistency, but it's getting there. And I think it's a bad matchup for Georgia. Give me Auburn and the cover all day long. We will wrap up the show when we come back on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
on 98.3 FM and ESPN 1067. Wrapping up on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on foxsports983.com and on Facebook, that's foxsports983.com. Noel Gardner and Levi Fitzwater wrapping up on the line here following us we'll have the drive with bill cameron coming on both espn 1067 and on fox sports central alabama so make sure you stay tuned for that and what's coming up but first let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight hey everybody it's noah gardner with what's on tonight it is groundhog day so why not watch groundhog day on amc at seven some family-friendly movies on freeform starting at six with kung fu panda 2 and then at eight it's rio 2 start off tuesday night college basketball at 5 30 on the big 10 network with number 24 purdue at maryland at the 6 p.m time slot number two baylor clashes with number six texas on espn on espn 2 we've got number 11 tennessee at old Miss. Auburn and Georgia square off on SEC Network, and Michigan State is at number 8 Iowa on FS1. At the 8 p.m. time slot, number 12 Illinois at Indiana on ESPN, and Mississippi State at Arkansas on SEC Network. There are two NBA games on TNT starting at 6.30 with the Clippers at the Nets, and the night finishes off with the Celtics at the Warriors at 9. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. High-profile basketball on tonight. That Baylor-Texas game. but also Auburn-Georgia tonight, another example and another way that Auburn can show teams that this Auburn team is for real and that they're here to stay in the SEC, that this year, although although a setback maybe in terms of uh, what they've been building up to this point in a year where they're not going to be in the postseason and whatnot, this is still, this team is still for real, and I don't think that they're trailing far behind the leading pack. I actually think the only team that is substantially ahead of Auburn, the only team, which is substantially ahead of everybody, is Alabama. And that's just this year. I don't mean for the future. I just mean this year. Auburn's only two games out of second place right now. And there's still, you know, eight, nine games left of the conference season. There's not a lot that, you know, there's not a lot separating this team from getting into that second place picture, especially with some games coming up against teams like LSU, Florida. They'll play Kentucky. They'll play Tennessee. Teams that are in front of them, they can jump them. This team, and the question going into the segment that I have for you, how far is this team behind the leading pack, or are they even behind them at all? I don't think they are. I agree with you. I don't think they're that far behind. Obviously, there is a substantial difference between them and Alabama. I I do agree on that point. I think that the, the difference, at least in terms of being able to catch up to that number one spot in the SEC. That's not happening. That's not happening at all. There's no way that happens. They're not too far off in terms of talent. I mean, talent-wise and being able to play. I think Auburn is really going to give them a run at the end of the year on that last game on the schedule because that's that's Auburn's championship this yes, year. Yes, that is Auburn's championship. I think they're going to give them everything they got, and I think they're going to give them a really good run. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think they're that far behind the LSUs, the Tennessees. You saw them. They were able to beat Missouri. I don't think they're behind them at all. I, I think they're either ahead of them or right there with them. I think they're right there with them. I would say that this Auburn team's ahead of those teams because what those teams have on Auburn that Auburn doesn't have, they have experience. And that's enough for Auburn to lose to those teams. That's why Auburn lost to Arkansas twice. That's 100% why. Experience is the major difference between Auburn and all those teams. But I think talent-wise and what 
product they are producing on the basketball floor right now just general ability of being able to beat anyone in this league everyone should have been put on notice by now if they aren't this Auburn team is every bit as good of what we've been able to see in the past like I'd, I'd be kind of I think last year's Auburn team beats this year's Auburn team of course but but you know if you don't remember last year's Auburn team struggled at times you know and, and then the year before that we saw struggles the year before that we've seen struggles every year every team gets into a rut it's about getting out of that rut and this Auburn team with the addition of Sharif Cooper who is now shooting up draft boards even more he's inside the top 10 in some mock drafts right now I think you've got one pulled up Maybe off of ESPN, do you have yeah, it? Yeah, ESPN has him at number nine to the Sacramento Kings. Oh, man. Oh, man. He kind of reminds me of De'Aaron Fox. Not nearly as fast. Nope. But De'Aaron I mean, Fox was a blur. I mean, that's that's nothing against Sharif Cooper. De'Aaron Fox is He's just, a blur. He's ridiculously fast. There's right. nothing against that. But play style, they both like to get to the rim. Yep. Neither of them great three-point shooters going into the league. De'Aaron Fox, I think, has improved his shot at least a little bit going into the NBA. Right now, I'm beginning to have questions whether or not Sharif Cooper really will develop his three point shot. It doesn't look it doesn't look good. The fundamentals of it for me don't look great. It looks or kind not, of he leans back when he, he shoots. He leans back. There's not much of a jump to it. You want to see a guy be able to jump and hit that release point high to avoid it getting blocked. And he just kind of lackadaisically throws it up there while leaning back. And that's something that could, You also have to look at where he's missing. And sometimes he's missing like, oh, that wasn't close. Yeah. And then the next shot it's somewhere completely off the rim like when you look at someone's free throw mechanics which is different than a three-point shot obviously but what I'm trying to illustrate is here is when you're looking at someone's free throw mechanics you can clearly see what they did wrong if you just replay it like one time you can see oh okay he didn't he didn't extend out enough from the floor you know when he when he you know came up on a shot he did you know he didn't move up onto his onto his toes and everything you know he didn't raise his heels off the floor he didn't extend out he didn't follow through you could find something and then typically on the next shot they either over adjust or they adjust adjust perfectly well to fix it you know so you'll either see on free throws you'll see too short or too long with guys who are good free throw shooters and then they adjust they they fix it and then they really don't make those mistakes throughout an entire ball game that's how you get 80 plus percent free throw shooters three-point shooters i I think the same thing can can be said about shooting mechanics when somebody's just just kind of off it is like they are missing all over the place it's not even close and sharif cooper some of his misses they look ugly some of where he's missed something like sometimes you're like man that barely glanced off the side of the rim he he reminds me so much of a markel fultz type of guy i was thinking the exact same Just thing this weekend we not, haven't even said that to each other not that is something we haven't talked about that's it's, his it's, comp i think right it's, now it's not as broken in terms of shot mechanics as markel fultz was coming out of college but his distance shot his three-point onward mid-range jumper it's not it's not what you want to see it, like it, the mechanics aren't aren't there right Sharif now. Sharif can't shoot. He just Let's can't. just call it what it is. He can't shoot. He, he Let's can, be real. Is a, in terms of what you want out of a pro prospect, he is not shooting the ball efficiently. And we've seen Markel Fultz. He put it together prior to the injury this year. He got a lot better. You know, he struggled with a lot more than just the injuries and the nature of his mechanics. He went through a lot of mental illness with his anxiety and whatnot as well. So I think, and depression on top of that, Sharif Cooper is pretty much where Markel Fultz was but with a little bit better of mechanics. People are going to be mad at me for having said that Sharif Cooper can't shoot, but let's just look at the stats, all right? He's 39% field goal range. From three, he's shooting 18%. He's a good free throw shooter. He's at 81% there, but just because you're a good free throw shooter doesn't necessarily mean that you're a great shooter. And I'm not saying that he can't figure it out, that he can't, but right now his mechanics are off. We've we've heard, you know, announcers pointed out, I think Dan Dockich may have been the first one to, to bring it up, or possibly there was... Somebody, there was another color commentator that may have brought it up about 
how he's leaning back. And it's that's, probably Dockage. He loves to he loves to rip people a new one a lot. He, he's not afraid I'm, to call it. Out. He's not afraid to call it out. And also, just because I'm saying he can't shoot doesn't mean he can't score. He can score. Obviously, look at the scoring numbers. He's you know he's averaging well over 20 points a ball game. Is that uh, I think he's at like 22 a game right now. He's at 21.3 a game. He went down after this past weekend against Baylor, but he's not shooting the basketball well. That's going to have to come along, not even in the mid-range. All he's got in his arsenal right now as far as scoring is at the rim or a floater. It'll develop, but I'm wondering if it'll develop in college if it's this year. But that's it for another edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater will be back with you tomorrow. We got the drive with Bill Cameron following us right here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. You know where to find us.